Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, back into it with our panel, Anthony Fury, Michael Diamond, Dave Sparrow, on a great day for talk radio. It's also a great day for Canadian justice. Paul Bernardo denied parole, even though he qualified for such. And uh, it left me perplexed and bewildered how this guy is even in the running uh, after 25 years. But earlier today, we had our legal analyst on, Joe Newberger, and he explained how the parole system works, even in the case of somebody as odious as Paul Bernardo. Rule of law allows people to apply at appropriate times for a chance to try and gain release to the community on conditions. And this is part of our democracy and how we deal with offenders. And I think it's very important to emphasize that when we're dealing with offenders, the civility in which we deal with them is a, is a hallmark of how we are as a society. All right. Uh, you know, it almost sounds counterintuitive, but Anthony, comment on that, because the families, according to their lawyer, Tim Danson, have to relive this every time the guy comes up and uh, he wants to even be prickly or petulant about it. He can qualify or he'll ask petition for parole. He can back out in the last moment. Uh, they have to make arrangements to go out there to the Bath Institution. Do you think he ought to be allowed to play this game? I, I think we can look at the rules. I mean, this guy's he's clearly just going to apply if only because he goes, well, I'm in the cell all day. May, might as well go and visit some other place for a day to get, you know, some different scenery. I imagine this is what all uh, murderers, heinous, and, and, you know, they're all heinous, uh, imagine. But it's frustrating for the people because, of course, you want to bring in the victim impact statements and so forth, and you go through the process. And the process involves them saying why we don't want this to happen. Maybe we can revise it so it's not as much of a hassle with them. We can expedite these cases where we know full well he's not going to be let out. Uh, otherwise, the only other option is to make life mean life. I mean, a lot of people have that problem to begin with. They say, you know, you say he's locked up for life and then he's not. Maybe we can add a different criteria here where there are some people who are not locked up for life, as in 25 years, but life, life. I find it uh, just devastating that this man wasn't executed in the 1990s, so the fact that he can apply for parole. So I agree with Anthony, you know, that's not a fight that any politician's going to take up. And if they try, they probably won't win in this country. Uh, but uh, life should mean life, and I think there's a great deal of public appetite for that, especially for someone such a such a heinous criminal uh, where there's absolutely zero doubt of, uh, of him as the perpetrator with uh, this case. Well, Joe Newberger also brought up, Dave, that uh, it was improper for Tim Danson to weighed in on the emotional level, suggesting that this is putting the families through all kinds of hell, you know, their personal tribulation of having to endure this again. Uh, In that sense, he should have understood. And you can comment on this, one lawyer critiquing, I guess, another and their methodology, but uh, take the emotion out of it. And if it's part of our democratic process, even somebody as heinous and odious as Bernardo still gets to go before the parole board? If uh, uh, let me just say that if Paul Bernardo gets the opportunity to go through before the parole board, then Tim Danson gets the opportunity to talk about the impact that it's going to have on the on the family. And I, you know, I'm offended by this uh, um, happening as well. Quite frankly, I think that we do need to change the rules to say that if you're convicted of a crime that leads to be being uh, identified as a dangerous offender, then that special designation should mean 
you're done. You're 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 uh, housed and you're not getting out. And so let's not waste the time uh, on that. Uh, that is on parole hearings. So uh, I'd be one for changing the rules. But the way the rules exist now, yeah, he gets his uh, day in court and the family gets to say how egregious that is and, and gets the call for us to change the rules. All right. On another uh, topic, uh, he changed the rules. Doug Ford decided that he would kill cap and trade. And this in the face of the uh, United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change saying that, uh, you know, we need to uh, actually increase the amounts uh, per tonnage charged. Justin Trudeau is talking about a graduated system that takes us to fifty dollars a ton by twenty twenty two, and the uh, UNIPCC is talking about like two hundred bucks even to start making a dent. But the real kicker here is that uh, some critics are saying Ford went and handed this backstop, uh, let's say, default position to Justin Trudeau in uh, 2020, and Ontario will no longer control how the proceeds of a cap-and-trade or a carbon tax are spent. Michael Diamond, did Doug Ford overplay his hand? Oh, absolutely not. Doug Ford was elected uh, to do this. He had a clear mandate from from the uh, voters here in June in Ontario. Uh, and, and let's touch on Justin Trudeau. No politician in Canada has run a campaign where a carbon tax has played a prominent role and been successful. Uh, Stefan Dion tried it. He lost miserably. If Justin Trudeau wants to run a campaign on a carbon tax, he's going to be running against Doug Ford, Brian Pallister, Scott Moe, some governments uh, in in New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island, uh, Jason Kenney, who will likely be premier by then. It will not work out well for Justin Trudeau. Doug Ford may have saved all of Canada from a carbon tax. All right. Well, this argument, Anthony, that somehow if Trudeau imposes it because he's promised to, regardless of the the provinces, don't do it of their own accord. And then Justin Trudeau would determine uh, where the money gleaned from the taxpayer is going to go, how it will be spent. Whereas, you know, Doug under cap and trade would get to be the gatekeeper. Uh, He won't. Is that a problem? Well, you described it well. Justin Trudeau is going to force an unpopular tax on people and then micromanage where that wealth redistribution goes. So that is what he wants to do. Michael's entirely right in, 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 in doing the roll call of uh, premiers who have a firm mandate on this, who represent the will of the majority of the people on this. And the Saskatchewan Court of Appeal, the Ontario Court of Appeal, when they look at it, they are all going to say uh, most likely that, uh, yes, this is something that the provinces do have a fight on their hands to say. It'll go up to the Supreme Court and you look at the Constitution, and it's going to go down to that thing called the subsidiarity principle, where the lowest level of government gets to make their own decisions. Who gets to decide whether the provinces have this have this thing? The provinces or the feds, and the Supreme Court's going to rule the provinces. There's not going to be a federal carbon tax, John. It ain't happening. It ain't happening, Dave Sparrow. And uh, fair enough, but I will say that climate change needs to be addressed somehow. Ontario needs to address it. All the provinces need to address it. I don't know what Doug Ford's plan is. You know, Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. That didn't stop those massive hurricanes from uh, ravaging the southern United States, and it's not going to stop the kind of impacts that we're going to see coming forward. So, in fact, Canada does need to do something about this. I uh, you know, yeah, we can, you, we can have UN, a debate about what's best to do. Okay, well, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is saying in their report earlier this week that uh, even at its most aggressive, Justin Trudeau's plan is a pittance. Instead of the $50, which right now we're going to be uh, looking at $20 as the initial phase, and then it gets to 50 by 2022, they're saying it's got to be 200 200 maybe more than $200 per ton to even start freezing the uh, temperature rise, this global warming, Mm -hmm. as they call it, at current levels. 
uh, that would beggar our economy, wouldn't it? Well, uh, frankly, maybe it does have to rise to that, but we'll find out, or we might not be on the planet when we find out, but our grandchildren uh, may find out that we should have made these aggressive moves at this time. You know, uh, as well, when it comes to finance and et cetera, frankly, you know, Doug Doug Ford is uh, canceling cap and trade. That's going to cost his uh, government money. The LCBO is lowering taxes. You know, um, the provinces' finances are going to be challenged here, and I don't, I don't know how he's going to meet all the responsibilities of the uh, uh, provincial uh, government uh, with, with less money in his coffers. Well, Diamond, you ran his campaign to make him leader of the province. So what I find so offensive is, you know, we saw an infograph from the uh, Liberals today talking about Doug Ford's cutting funding for this, this, and this while giving up $3 billion in cap-and-trade revenue under their own program. You couldn't take money from cap-and-trade and put it to these other things. It had to be for very specific purposes. Uh, the, the the cancellation of cap-and-trade canceled the programs that were being funded by cap-and-trade. It's a net zero. All it does is leave more money in our pockets. It's It was the right thing to do. You can't say that you should be balancing the provincial budget on cap-and-trade. But what I'm saying is that the climate change is still going to occur. You're still going to have to it pay was. those expenses eventually. The, the, the federal liberals don't have a climate plan. They have a tax plan. I think what we need to see is let's look at the low-hanging fruit as a starting point. There's a lot of ways that we can uh, reduce our carbon uh, emissions that won't cost the taxpayers a dollar. And I think that's uh, one of the great things we're going to see from the uh, review the Treasury Board's doing here in Ontario. John, there's a lot of things that have already reduced emissions. The forestry sector of their own will has brought down emissions by 15%. Phasing up the coal plants has brought things down. The reason emissions are rising in Canada is because we have more people moving here and because we're doing stuff and we're living productive lives. We're just going to have to shut down our way of life if we're going to hit these absurd UN uh, catastrophe predictions. That's their word, not mine. I mean, this is Malthusian. What are you going to do? Eventually, you're going to have to put in the one China rules. You can only have one kid. You're going to have to do massive population decreases. It's going to be a science fiction movie if we let the climate fear mongers and evangelists go ahead. And they're going to take your stake away. Uh, Listen, let me ask you, because Diamond does raise a good point, that uh, if this money that doesn't go into general revenue uh, wouldn't be funding health care, education, and all the rest, they basically have admitted that this was not uh, a a tax or whatever to uh, put into green energy initiatives, but rather the general revenue. Absolutely. It's the the, the former government's own admission uh, in their attack on Doug Ford today that they were using that money for for reasons that were not part of its intended purposes. I thought it was supposed to uh, build bike lanes or something like that, uh, and uh, (laughs) that was not what was going on. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you guys can enjoy the rest of the day. You know, marijuana is now legal in, in what? Canada. I, know. <laughs> I just thought I'd spread the news. Thank I you all. Coke. Oh, Put that back in your bag. <laughs> My goodness. That's right. What are you doing with a syringe? You're not a doctor. Uh, you guys are full value. Anthony Fury, Michael Diamond, Dave Sparrow. Can't hardly wait for the next installment. Thank you all.